The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another edition of the Work-Life Balance. We're so happy to have you along here as uh, we're battening down the hatches here uh, as Tropical Storm Cindy is rolling through uh, my neck of the woods here. Uh, it's been some nasty weather over here for the last couple of days, and uh, it's coming right through us here right now as we speak. So uh, hopefully we can make it through with power over the next hour as we broadcast to you uh, from the lovely Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, it's been a great week. Uh, been uh, home, actually, all week, uh, not having to travel this week and, and, and getting a chance to be very creative with clients uh, in, in being very creative in coding and in bringing some cool solutions around. So it's been kind of a uh, laid-back week for us, uh, not the normal hustle and bustle and running around. So this week, what we thought we'd talk about um, is portfolio management simplified. Uh, we're going to roll through uh, just some general portfolio management solutions. I know a lot of people are, are looking at portfolio management. Uh, I talk about all the time the the number one issue in in, in basic companies is that uh, we've got too many projects, not enough people to do them. So we'll talk about those solutions. First, I just wanted to roll through a couple of the uh, big things that happened this past week. Uh, this past Sunday, uh, Moving America Forward aired, uh, which was the television show that I was involved in with uh, William Shatner and Doug Llewellyn. Uh, that is now posted to our YouTube channel. Uh, so if you just search my name, Rick A. Morris, uh, you'll find that there on YouTube. You can go to rickamorris.com, find that show there. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing that. Um, you know, wh- what was unexpected for me was uh, how cool Doug Llewellyn was. Uh, we got a chance to hang out with him for a couple of hours uh, during the uh, pre-show uh, interviews and tapings uh, and just had a great time with him. He told us uh, some cool stories about how he got involved in the industry. Had a great time with him. Uh, so that dropped. Uh, we also uh, are reformatting uh, the the No Day But Today book. That's going to be out here uh, shortly. And uh, we uh, got back from the El Paso trip uh, week before last, uh, had a great time there. And we've got some really exciting announcements uh, that are coming up. Um, I I think it may be early to talk about it, but I I may drop a hint. uh, But it looks like there's a collaboration project potentially uh, coming up uh, with with my friend John Stenbeck. Uh, As you guys know, is the uh, number one Agile uh, uh, author, uh, wrote the Agile Almanac uh, version one. Or uh, volume one, and uh, you know that that's a trilogy. So there's some potential uh, uh, collaboration that that's going to be happening between he and I. Uh, that, uh, that there's some negotiations going on there. Uh, we are also uh, uh, contracted now to uh, host the Live to Lead event here in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, with the uh, with John Maxwell. 
there's going to be simulcasts around the world going on October 6th. Uh, that is uh, John Maxwell, Warwick Dunn, Dave Ramsey. Uh, that is an event you are not going to want to miss. Uh, you're going to want to find a location uh, near you that is streaming that. That's going to be happening October 6th and a lot more things to come. So uh, stay tuned here. Stay tuned uh, on rsquareconsulting.com or rickamorris.com for all those events coming up. So as I had alluded to, we're going to be talking today about portfolio management. So for those of you that are unaware of portfolio management, essentially you have projects. Projects are small tasks uh, that that produce uh, unique products uh, or things. Those get aligned to programs. Programs get aligned to portfolios, which can be extremely complex in the sense of uh, trying to understand where we're going to align our money uh, or our strategy. The, the interesting thing is, you know, if you, if you had asked me four or five years ago uh, or asked me to even begin in your organization to do portfolio management, uh, I would say, you know, let, let's put that off until later so that we can start to collect a, an extreme amount of data uh, because data really rules the the roost when we start to talk portfolio management. If, if you're start, if you want to say, you know, where are we going to spend our money? Where are we going to get the most value? Uh, most of the tools and, and software that we utilize to try to help us do portfolio management, it really all comes down to decision decision criteria, and a lot of times it comes down to algorithms and things that we're trying to decide what's most important to us. And again, where where are people and what are our people doing? And in order to understand what are people doing, we've got to get generally to time, time uh, tracking. Uh, and I know that Ed Class right now uh, from Soul of the Enterprise, which which airs the hour before me, is is rolling over uh, and in kicking the the radio at the moment because he can't stand uh, time tracking. But you know, if if we're trying to understand what can we achievably accomplish. How do we do things? We've got to get to some sort of metric so that we can understand what can we achievably accomplish. And so normally what I do is I, I lead executives through five questions, and I'll go ahead and give those to you now. Let, let's go ahead and discuss how do I go after portfolio management? What do I do if I'm your consultant? And I want to understand what it is that you're looking at uh, before we start doing portfolio management. Let's just go ahead and go through those questions now. The first thing I want to understand is how you do decision making as an executive. I want to understand as an executive or as a board or as a strategic body, how do you make your decisions? And so the first question I'd like to ask is, is how often do your priorities change? And, you know, I understand that could be a little bit of a weird question, but, you know, I'm just trying to figure out how often does the market change or how often do you have to react to change as a strategic entity? And I get a lot of weird responses when I ask that question, but I am looking for just an understanding to the frequency of change. And um, if you look at like uh, a banking or or insurance, it used to be uh, about, you know, every two to three years, to be honest with you. Um, And and now it seems like regulations, regulatory changes in Washington, uh, things like that is, is coming literally every week. And so the, the, the most frequent answer that I get is, is monthly. And I think that that's the fairest answer that I get, is that our priorities are shifting on a monthly basis. 
at a, and I'm talking about the top of the house strategic level change. Um, and, and really, you know, I, I get answers though, like, you know, our priorities change every five years when we do our five year strategic plan. And it's like, okay, then you, you guys, okay, whatever. Um, I get, you know, quarterly, I get yearly, whatever, but monthly is really kind of that answer I'm looking for is that we're going to evaluate our priorities. We're going to hear the voice of the customer. We're going to look at different things and, and kind of just adjust where we're spending our money, where we're investing money, kind of on a monthly basis. And again, I'm not talking about huge strategic shifts. I'm just kind of looking at what what our general priorities are. Now, the interesting thing is, though, is I'll ask them, you know, who is who is kind of your key employee? Who who is like one of your your employees that you absolutely cannot live without? Who who is that person? Who Who's that person that you think is the doer, the the just the kind of the grease behind the wheels? Who is that person? And we'll ask them the same question. How often do your priorities change? And again, the most common answer that I get in, in asking that question is, is either hourly or daily. And I find that interesting because I, I want to go to the executive and I'm trying to paint a picture here around prioritization and understanding the communication workflow, uh, particularly around vision and execution, saying, look, if, if your priorities are only changing once a month, then why is your best employee having to change their priorities every day or, or every hour? And then I say, you know what, we'll, we'll get back to that. So then I ask the question, and this is question number two, who, who makes the strategic decisions of, of your organization? Who, who do you think is making the strategic decisions of this company? And, and of course, you know, normally they'll say, well, well, I do. We're, we're doing this. And I'll say, okay, well, if you're making the strategic decisions, then then why are your your best employees changing their priorities every day? Because if your priorities are only changing once a month or, or they're only changing, you know, once a quarter or whatever it is that you're saying, who's got the authority to be changing your decisions because somebody is, else your best employees wouldn't have it having to, to be changing their priorities every day, right? Somebody is, is not executing against those priorities or they're changing the priorities or your best employees would have that clear line of sight. They wouldn't have any, having to, to be jumping priorities if, if somebody, you know, was going after that. So, so, you know, somebody's doing that. So, so let me come back to that. What percentage of your staff is available to do projects? That, that, that's question number three. What percentage of your staff is available to do project work? And a lot of times I get, you know, well, what do you mean? Well, most of the time when we hire a staff member, we hire somebody in accounting or we hire somebody in IT, it's to perform a function. We, we needed a function completed. We, we had, a, had a, a specific job role. It wasn't, well, we're going to hire somebody, but we're not sure what they're going to do. You know, we'll, we'll create a bunch of work for them later. It's, it's normally we had a need or we had something for them to do. So now that we've hired them and they're doing that, then projects started to come along and, and we had them start to pick those up. So what percentage of our staff is available to do this, you know, ancillary work, meaning that there's a certain amount of work that each person has to do to keep the lights on, to keep the, the business running. We have to pay bills. We have 
tasks that, that keeps the lights on, that keeps things running. And I think this is overlooked the most in IT, where, you know, IT seems to be about a factory of bringing new technology in, but what about all the old technology that exists that has to keep running? And, and it's never more uh, uh, cognizant to people until, like, email stops running or the internet goes down. And, and then there's that post-mortem of, why did the internet go down? Well, we weren't maintaining the servers. Well, why weren't you maintaining the servers? Well, because we were bringing this new technology in. Well, how come you didn't spend time keeping the old servers up? Well, because you had us doing these new projects. Well, we got to make sure those old servers stay up. Yeah, we were trying to, but you kept bringing us in. So you see the circle. You see the circle. So the question comes back to what percentage of your staff is available to do projects? And if you don't know the answer, then, then how did you pick the projects and how did you pick all of the work that you were going to do? And, and the question I generally ask is, did you pick your projects at the beginning of the year based on what you could spend or did you pick, on, pick the projects based on what you could achievably accomplish based on the people that were available? And, and see, that's a loaded question and I'll go ahead and tell you why. I know the answer. It's because about 92% of companies in America pick projects based on what they have budgeted in pay, not in payroll, but budgeted in, in spending. So they, they sit down and they have a budget and they say, this is how much we can spend to, to bring things into this market. But, but they have not considered how many labor hours it would take to execute those projects in their company. So they've now created the issue of they've got way too many projects and not enough people and therefore, you have the need for portfolio management. So I've just created the issue. Let's talk about how to solve it. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back and do that right after this. You're listening to The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Today, every business is in the software business. And business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other. Where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage. Where applications aren't just part of your brand. They are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate. Build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers, or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. 
are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we are back. We're talking about portfolio management today. And uh, we were just talking about on break, how did we get here? And again, we were talking about you know, most organizations will look at their budget and decide how many projects they can do. But when they do so, maybe not considering uh, the percentage of staff they have available to complete those projects. So therefore, they end up with too many projects, not enough people. And so what do we do about that situation? How do we start to look at that? Now, years ago, we would say, you know, before we can even start to consider portfolio management, most of the systems would rely on data, and in, in, unless you have great data underneath this, then to even try to attempt to do portfolio management, it would it would be a nightmare. And uh, what we're seeing now are, are things are changing. We're actually seeing a more simplified model in order to be able to perform some portfolio management. And so we're going to talk about that now. Uh, and so we're actually approaching companies now and say, look, we can actually see a, an ROI to portfolio management and at least do a broad brush to be able to start making some decisions very, very quickly. And then from there, we can start to fill in the blanks and, and get better and mature your portfolio management uh, as you grow. And so from an R-squared perspective, we talk about that from a crawl, walk, run methodology. So, and, and, you know, a lot of our clients will begin to laugh and say, you know, we're not even sitting up yet. Yeah, we got to sit up, roll over, then we can crawl, walk, run. And, and, and we find that funny as well. But so the, the problem, again, stems from, you know, we pick our projects based on what we can spend, but not what we can achievably do. So let's, let's first identify kind of the data points that we need. Before we can even start to go down the path of portfolio management, you know, I've watched a lot of organizations uh, be able, you know, sit down and try to do this via a spreadsheet. And the problem with the spreadsheet is the moment that you're done um, with a spreadsheet, it's it's static, it's over. In in trying to maintain a spreadsheet, uh, people start to argue about, you know, oh, that's the wrong version. Oh, you checked it out. Oh, you you overwrote my data. There's no ownership of it. And um, uh, I, I watched one organization that we work with. Uh, every time they went into the portfolio meeting, um, one executive would ask for another piece of data that wasn't in the spreadsheet. So therefore, they'd have to end the meeting, walk out, 
um, add that piece of data, you know, rerun all the pivot charts, uh, they walk back in, and then another executive would go, well, what about this? And of course, that piece of data was not in the spreadsheet. So that, you know, that's not effective either, plus the hours upon hours of trying to, you know, pull all that data. So while spreadsheets can somewhat be effective, it, it's a great start in trying to think through the data, but it's not an effective use of data. And so really what you've got to have is, is something that's a little bit more real time and you've got to have something that, that, that's going to react to the data. Uh, we've used a lot of different systems. What we've settled in on and, and what we find to be the most effective is CA PPM. Uh, so it's the project portfolio management system from CA, um, why we allow them to, to sponsor this show. And so what you really need first and, and what we like um, and the reason why, why we endorse CAPPM over the other tools is that is is that crawl, walk, run methodology. So there's a lot of tools out there that that do portfolio management. Um, there's two things that we think that CAPPM kind of differentiates themselves with. One is that it supports portfolio management through the use of uh, projects with project schedules or without, meaning. You know, about 10% of the industry, in, in my opinion, that's that, that's not a fact. It's just what I've seen over doing about 135 implementations uh, of portfolio management tools myself um, is, is that only about 10% of the project managers that I've worked with can really write, and I mean really write, a fully resource-loaded project schedule. I've seen people who can back into it. I've seen people who think they can. Um I've seen people who say they can until time actually starts to get applied to that project schedule. And, and I think the number one thing I've heard is, your system's broken my project schedule. Um, and, and, you know, I've got a tremendous amount of data to back that up. I think the second thing is, is that most organizations still are not making the investment into project management that they should. And so with the the advent of, of what I said in the beginning of the show is that there's way too many projects, not enough project managers, there's just simply not enough time to create project schedules to the level necessary to support project management to be able to roll up the data necessary to have portfolio management across all of the projects necessary to get data to that level. So CAPPM, what I say is it supports maturity and immaturity in the sense that it can normalize across the board. So what you really need to do is kind of start with, give me a list of investments. And when we talk about investments, it's not just projects, it's ideas, and it's also something termed, you know, other work. You, you name it what you want, we call it other work in the sense of, the keeping the lights on activities. What people fail to realize is that, you know, I watch a lot of people go after portfolio management and what they do is they just try to list all their projects. But that, and, and I watch people do what I call fuzzy math and fuzzy math never works. Fuzzy math just creates arguments in, in the boardroom. Fuzzy math is where, where you start with, well, Everybody only can work six and a half hours a day. So that's the number we're going to start with. Or, you know, everybody's 50% available for projects. So we're just going to start with 50% and that's how we're going to run our portfolio. It, it doesn't work because the, the first thing you're going to do is challenge the assumption. As soon as somebody wins the challenge, then the whole, the whole thing's over. 
and, and it's not worth it. So what you need to do is represent the full day and then allow, if, if somebody says, well, no, I, I think so-and-so is 75% available, adjust it to 75%, rerun the, the script and let it run. So the first thing you do is list the investments and, and have the ability to have the multiple types of investments uh, represented. So you have other work items such as support, admin time, paid time off, as well as projects. And let those just be buckets. Let those be you know big things. If you've got a few strategic projects that are supported by project plans, great. Let them be there. The second thing you do then is list your resources and, and list them out by uh, also grouped by primary roles. So uh, when you get into roles and primary roles and things of that sort, it's not listed by HR title. Nobody cares if you're you know a PM. You know, senior PM level three, senior PM level two. It's it's more. You've got seven project managers on staff, right? It, it, when you're doing portfolio management, it's not a question of, you know, the breakout by skill set. We can get into that kind of stuff later. It's more, you know, we have we have twelve business analysts, we have seven PMs, we have nine developers. That's that's the level in which we get to from a portfolio management you know, management perspective. So we can make business decisions. Not, not you know, how to dole out work. So you have a list of investments, you have a list of resources, and then you take a high-level swag of percentage of time. So it's 35% against this investment, 20% against this investment, so that we at least understand what percentage is left to be able to dole out to the new ideas that are coming in to understand what's there. And the key to do this is so that we can answer the acronym WAR. And it's my favorite acronym out there. So when somebody brings a new project to the board or to the committee, it's not a question of whether or not it gets approved. It's if it's approved and then the analysis can be, do we wait for resources to become available? Do we acquire new resources to do this project? Or do we try to redirect the resources that we need in order to accomplish this task. That's the analysis level that we need to do. So those are the big things that you want to do. You get a list of resources, you get a list of investments, and you put a percentage of time against it. Now, your first swag at this, we're going to be awful, and that's okay. But again, we're crawling. What happens in the walk phase is that you can then start to have resources track time against this. And again, soul of enterprise, forgive me for even suggesting that. But the reason why you track time against investments, and you don't have to do it to a task level, you don't have to do it to a large level, but what the tracking of time against those investments does is allow you to basically validate the assumption of the percentage of time that you utilized against that investment. So you thought, you know, Sally was 50% available for support or working against support. Turns out it was 41. So that allows us to adjust those numbers going forward so that we can make better decisions on our portfolio going there. It's not that you were wrong in your assumption. You know, maybe you thought it was 50 and it was really 71%. It's not a big deal. All it is is about, you know, getting a little bit more concrete in those assumptions so that we can make better decisions in our portfolio going forward. It's to simplify the process. It's to validate assumptions. It's to become a little bit better so that we can make better decisions for the business. That's it. 
So we're not trying to to hold anybody's feet to the fire. It's not about productivity. Some people make it about productivity. That's fine. It's not about that for us. What all we're trying to do is to get a little bit better in our estimations so that we can understand where we need resources, where we need to apply it, and what projects we can pick up and which ones we can't. So again, we're trying to make this process simple. So what we've done now is we have an understanding of what we can and cannot pick up. Now, the next phase of the the process is how to make decisions against projects and which ones are going to fall what we call above and below our waterline. This one gets really crazy because people like to start arguing about algorithms and scoring criteria. So I'm going to simplify that process right after we come back from the break. You're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today, software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment. And not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you. Turn left ahead. The digital road signs that direct you onward. And the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto drive mode. This is life in the application economy. And the opportunities for businesses are endless. But only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. 
And we're back. We're talking portfolio management simplified. And I've been trying to lay out a simple process, talking our crawl, walk, run process that we uh, try to lead our clients through and uh, taking something that has been somewhat mystified for a lot of people and and trying to simplify that process as we go. So we talked about uh, what creates the process. Uh, Now we've talked about uh, kind of aligning the process to get to the next meeting. So what we have now Uh, As you've been listening, is we've got a list of investments, we have a list of resources, we have a percentage of time of of resources against those investments. And what most clients will find once they get to this stage is that uh, basically if they were to to try to do everything that they were planning to do, everybody's about 7,000% allocated. Again, we we have the issue of too many projects, not enough people, Uh, there's no possible way that they're going to do all the projects that they intended to do. So now comes the tough part, which is, you know, what do we do? What what projects do we try to to pick up? How do we possibly uh, decide which projects we're going to do and what we're not going to do? And so what you need to do is pick three or five uh, pieces of scoring criteria. What You know, what's important to the organization? So normally... Um, at this point, you do, you know, return on investment, you pick some sort of overall score, uh, you know, certainly strategy to the organization, value to the organization. Um, a lot of time there's there's must do's like regulatory and cost. But what I watch uh, most organizations do here, though, is some sort of convoluted algorithm scoring criteria where they they try to determine, you know, ROI is, is five times, you know, more more important than overall score and in strategies three times more important than regulatory. And they, they, they try to come up with this slick algorithm to where they can try to score the projects and, and run the list. And that's really, um, that's really a waste of time. Essentially what you need to do is establish some sort of waterline and, and then rank the criteria and the projects independently and, and run it. And what you'll find is that when you do this, that there's going to be a, a few projects that are going to sort to the top no matter what. So, for instance, if I were to use ROI as a criteria and just rank the projects on return on investment, then I rank the projects on regulatory, then I rank the projects on cost, then I rank the projects on, you know, I do it one by one. And I use a waterline criteria to see, you know, where we run out of staff. You'll find out like, you know, project A was, you know, fifth in return on investment and third in cost, second in overall score, first in strategy. And the bottom line is that it was above the waterline in all of the lists. And, and when you do that, then you just determine you look, project A is in that we're going to do that. And so when you you find out that there's going to be, you know, 15, 16 projects that were common in, in all ranked lists, you, you lose the argument. You, you don't have to get the competing stakeholders, you know, arguing about the algorithm. You can say, look, regardless of who's arguing what component, you all win with this project. And so when you start to do that and you say these 10 projects are in, and now that we take those resources off the board, you begin to just now say there's now only X amount of resources to do four projects, and they're these bottom four what we've been really successful doing in a lot of these portfolio meetings is to say, look, 
we don't know what's really going to happen in month two or month three. So why don't we just approve these, the ones that made the list in all of these criteria, and go forward and wait for some of these new ideas to come in, wait for some changes, that kind of thing, and come back. Um, or, you know, let's let's go ahead and argue the bottom 20% of these projects and, and tentatively approve them or some things like that. Um, but sometimes we're able to actually leave that meeting without even discussing the bottom 20%. And uh, it, it's becoming a really, really popular tactic in, in doing this because inevitably by the second, third, and fourth portfolio meeting, there's these new projects that are popping up. And, and you find people trying to figure out which projects they're going to cancel and that kind of stuff. Now, another popular topic that, that we brought to light, um, and it's one that, that I saw get used, you know, several years ago at, at one of my favorite companies that I ever worked with. And, and I'm going to refrain from the name at the moment. Um, and, and it sounds horrible, but it's called a murder board. And, and what it's intended to do is be as difficult as possible to get a project approved. And, and while that sounds counterintuitive, the point of it is, is if it got through the process, it was a really good project. And if it's a really good project, then it's worth the money and it's worth the resource load. And it's going to produce benefits for the company. And if you think about that, while it sounds counterintuitive, if you don't do something like that, then every stupid project is going to get approved, which is going to drain resources, drain cost, drain everything, which is unfortunately what I see a lot of, of, of companies do, which is unfortunately just such a drain and such a waste of, of talent, resources. And that's where the, the whole reason for this radio show exists you, you see the reverse of a work-life balance. And you see people working nights and weekends producing poor projects. I'm watching a company right now that we're working with that, that literally, you know, two years ago, what they said is we were doing everything. And what we want to do right now is very few things really well. And already in, within two years, you can see the transformation of that company, not only in what they're producing, but in the spirit of what they believe in in the company, in the way the employees work together, the way they feel about the company, in what the company's doing, in the financial results of the company. It is amazing when an organization turns around and makes a decision as simple as that to say, you know what, we're not going to try to do everything. We're just going to do a few things really well. That is a murder board concept. And that murder board concept says it has to be really, really good as an idea for us to be able to put our most valuable resources. And unfortunately, most companies think the most valuable resource they have is a dollar. And, and, and I'm here to tell you the most valuable resource you have is an hour of your employee's time. And if you value that the way you should, you will see the fruits of that. And the way that you really can start to improve the bottom line of your organization is through incredible portfolio management. 
And so what you have to do is you have to model that in such a way. And so through software, what we're starting to see and what we can see in CAPPM like I've never seen before. So for instance, when we're starting to model now this waterline view that I'm talking about, when we're seeing roles, one of the things that we're able to see right now is like for I, I can see in aggregate in project management, let's say I've got 14,000 hours available in project management for the year. And so I could see for the year, sure, we've got plenty of project manager hours available. But the way that we had selected our projects and the way that we had stacked our projects in quarter two, I'm killing the project managers, which is telling me that while I have enough project managers for the year, I'm likely to miss targets in quarter two. So we had to start to look at how we were utilizing them in quarter two and start to pull them you know, back and forth within quarter two and start to move some of our projects into quarter three and quarter four so that still in aggregate, I had plenty of time, but we weren't going to hit our targets in quarter two and quarter three that we were looking for. This is the next level in portfolio management. And it's still very simplified. We're still doing it at just investments, percentage of time of resources, and just looking at financial dollars. But it's, it's, it is just massively improving operations. It's massively improving how we're delivering to a customer. And it's, it's a way of being able to do things without you know, having to spend hours and hours and hours of analysis. It, it, it's next level thinking. And it's the way organizations, just bar none, need to be attacking, especially in what th- this agile world and, and the way people are, need to be looking at things. So this is what we've been talking about is portfolio management, portfolio management simplified. Um, we can show you, if you haven't seen things like that, get out there and take a look at it. Um, but the the way of the spreadsheet and, and the, there's just absolutely these day this day and age as cheaply as software is being sold as quickly as things are being stood up there's there's absolutely 100% no excuse whatsoever to to be blind to this process or to not be engaging in this process within your business uh, to to not know uh, where you stand when you're going into 2018 fiscal planning and you're saying, what are we going to do this year to not have this data at your fingertips when it's time to plan? It's just, there's just no excuse for it anymore if you're going to survive in any industry going forward. There's just no excuse. So we're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this break. Today, every business is in the software business. And business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other. Where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage. Where applications aren't just part of your brand. They are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate. Build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers, or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, 
visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today, software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment. And not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you. Turn left ahead. The digital road signs that direct you onward. And the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto drive mode. This is life in the application economy. And the opportunities for businesses are endless. But only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the work-life balance. We've been talking about portfolio management, and I'm going to end this session on probably one of the most controversial topics that's out there. As a matter of fact, we're going to be setting up a debate uh, with me and the guys on the Soul of Enterprise uh, about this topic. And and I'll be honest, I'm I'm torn on this. I'm I'm shaking at this. Uh, I actually appeared on a, a, a podcast uh, with the great Ed Kless, um, who whom I respect uh, greatly. Uh, and he shook me. He, he shook me because because we we were doing our pre call and and having a conversation. And he asked me what topic I wanted to talk about, and I was fired up. I was fired up because I had a client uh, who upset me, and um, they upset me because they were questioning you know value, and we had already given them a tremendous amount of value, and they were arguing rate, and and that's just something I don't like to argue about. I'll be honest. Uh, especially when I knew that they had already interviewed uh, all of our competition, determined that they had. Uh, they they didn't measure up to the value that we were providing. They had already circled back around to to rehire us, but then wanted to argue rate, which just was a frustrating thing. And Ed had said, you know, Rick, that you're selling the wrong thing. You you need to be selling your value, not your time. And that shook me. He was right. You know, he said you just need to say, look, you, you guys have already determined the market. You already know we're valuable. This will cost you ten thousand dollars. Don't worry about how long it takes. And he made an extremely valuable point, except that this industry for a long time is based on time. It is just, you know, I, I, I talked to several of my clients who are very, very close friends and, and people. And, you know, I asked them, I said, you know, when we first met and we, you know, before you knew me, before you knew what we did and before we established our, our camaraderie with each other, if I had just come to you and said, look, we're going to implement this system. Don't worry about how long it takes. It's going to cost you X amount of dollars. You know, would that have flown? Would that, you know, and and they all emphatically said no. And 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 I'm just gonna I'm gonna go ahead and finish with some of my rants that I do when when I'm implementing and I'm teaching people about time and time tracking and things. And you know, I had a, I had a kid that um, 
that, that, that was doing a, a business intelligence platform for me. And we, we were subcontracting to him and, you know, we were billing to a client and I asked him, you know, what, what percent complete are you? And, and, uh, he said, well, I'm 55% complete. And I said, okay, well, how many hours is that? And he said, well, you know, I've spent about 55 hours. And, and you know when somebody is talking to you, whether they're telling the truth or not. And in my gut, I know that he, he had not delivered 55 hours of value to our client. And so I said, show me. And he said, what? And I said, show, show me what 55 hours of a, I, I don't know what a data warehouse architect does, you know, show, show me what 55 hours looks like from a data. And the kid had nothing, right? He had, he, there, there was no diagrams. There was no nothing. And, in so, you know, I summarily fired him and, and, but, you know, if I had stopped at the 55% complete, I, I would have had nothing to stand on. Right. He, he could have come back to me and said, well, Rick, I consider myself 55% complete once, you know, I've got everything designed in my head and the other 45% completes when I document it. But, you know, 55 hours is a long time to spend in some somebody's head, right? So so there there is a concept of time. And, and when you're doing portfolio management, there is a concept of time. And when you're doing product costing, there is a concept of time. And when you're trying to understand how many projects you can do, there is a percent of time that we need to understand. So there is a concept of time and, and, you know, when you say what percent of your time is available so that we can do portfolio management and project selection, there is a concept of time and time is important. And so when I'm meeting with CIOs and we're talking portfolio management, we start talking time tracking. We want to know what percentage of time people are spending. I think there's an accountability level there that, that that's important. I, I, I truly believe in it and, and, and I believe it's important because at the end of the day, there is a concept of time that even if you're a salaried employee, and and look, I'm, I've always been that employee that'll go above and beyond. So even though that the the formula is 40 hours a week, and, and I'm a salaried employee, I've I've been the one that's you know consistently put 60, 70, 75 hours. But I also want recognition that that I was that employee, and if I if I was putting in 75 hours, I had no problem telling you. So there's a concept of time. And, and, and however, while I've never been, uh, you know, uh, had a problem doing it, I would have a problem if that was required. And so the other issue I always have when I'm putting in systems is when HR comes to me and says, you can't, you know, don't 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 let our people tell our people they cannot put more than forty hours in a system. And I said, but wait a minute, what do you mean? Don't. But if they're working it, shouldn't they do it? Well, no, no, no. They can't put more than forty hours in the system. It's like, yeah, but you're requiring. I mean, you're telling them to work sixty-five. Well, if they're working sixty-five, they just need to 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 put forty. And I'm like, no, no, no. If they're putting sixty-five hours. In, they need to put 65 hours in the system because that's what they're working. And, and I get into these arguments with HR all the time when I'm putting in CAPPM or, or, or any of these systems that I'm working on. And they'll tell me, no, don't, you, you know, that you're not allowed. And it's like, no, I can normalize it on the back end for reporting and capitalization reports and that kind of stuff. But if they're working 65, they need to enter 65. Or, or do you want me to tell them to lie? And that HR told me to tell them to lie. 
Well, no, you can't say that. I was like, well, that's what you're telling me, right? And so I think there is a concept of time. And uh, so, I, you know, I, I think I'm setting up this debate well. I can't wait to talk to Ed and, and team and, and get through this. Um, but there is going to be a crossover coming up soon. Um, and I think we're going to make it a two-hour crossover where I appear on the Soul of Enterprise. Soul of Enterprise is going to appear on this show and uh, that that's going to be coming up soon. So I'm looking forward to that debate. But I think time tracking is extremely important, especially around the validation of what we think the people were working on investments and then how those investments roll into portfolios. So hopefully this session, for those of you that are struggling with portfolio management, helped. And it is extremely simple in the long run when we're starting it off. And you can at least start. So you start. And then as data gets better, as you make better decisions, and what I find is it doesn't have to be perfect on the first go-round. What you do is start. Start trying to make the decisions and let the initial decisions generate the questions that you need to answer to make the next set of better decisions. And then we can go from there. So that's Portfolio Management Simplified. Thank you so much for hanging out with us for another hour of the Work-Life Balance. Next week, we'll be back. Uh, the week after that, I'll be on vacation doing our annual daddy camp, which is our annual 4th of July vacation with my family. Actually, I send my wife and her friends to some exotic vacation uh, so they can use all the points that I rack up on travel while I keep the kids and we do all the dumb stuff that mommy doesn't like. So that's daddy camp uh, the week of July 4th. But uh, next week, we'll have uh, something else entertaining for you right here on the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. We love you. We thank you for being around, and we'll talk at you next week. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show. 